Ask anyone who was working in the airline industry on September 11, 2001, and they'll have a story. What you're about to hear are some of those stories told by people who responded in the days, weeks, and even months afterward. Assisting families of those on the four flights. Helping fellow employees come to terms with their grief. Working on the front lines and behind the scenes to get airlines back in the air with a host of new safety and security rules. Some of these stories have been told to family or others over the years, and a few of these will be heard for the first time on this podcast. September 11th, Airline Voices. My name is Ken Jenkins, and on September 11, 2001, I was the manager of care and emergency response for American Airlines. And I know everybody says that they remember where they were and what they were doing on September 11th, um, and I'm no different. I do too. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. I had recently been promoted to the manager of the care program and emergency response. I had been a member of the team since 1993. Unfortunately, American had had, and American Eagle had had a number of events, accidents that occurred over the years from 1993 up until the events of 2001. And on that particular day, it was a Tuesday, we were beginning a two-day care class, training class. And what made that particularly memorable outside of the events of 9-11 was that we had as a department just hired my replacement as manager um, when I was the senior analyst and moved into manager my position became open and we had just hired um, a new senior analyst and it was her first day of teaching the care class um, she had been trained in how to teach it certainly well steeped in, in the material um, knew there weren't going to be any issues at all um, with her facilitating the class, but still, nonetheless, it's your first time and you're teaching with your boss in the room. We were co-facilitating the class, and she was in front of the room in front of about 25, 30 participants doing the very first section. It was the introduction and background to care, and we were in the boardroom um, for senior executives in our headquarters facility, uh, um, facility in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And we were about 35 or 40 minutes into the session and she was up front presenting when the phone rang within the conference room and I went to answer the phone and I was told that we'd had a plane hit the World Trade Center and that we needed to cancel the class and immediately come to our system operation control center. And I pulled the phone, had a very long cord on it, I pulled the phone out into the, a vestibule and said, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I mean, like, did, did, did the wing clip a building? You know, um, how serious is this? Is the plane gonna land safely? You know, because I'm not thinking that a plane flew into the building. And, and I was told that that was exactly what had happened. The plane was flown into the building, that multiple planes were hijacked. They were trying to figure out, our system operations control was trying to figure out what was going on with all of our aircraft. Um, all airlines were being grounded um, and we should cancel the class. 
I stepped back into the room. I asked the facilitator in front of the room to, to pause for a moment and told the participants we'd be right back. I brought her out into the vestibule, shared with her what had happened, said we have to leave. We went back to the class and told them that we had to, to leave and to stay there and someone would be in contact with them soon about where they would go um, with the class being canceled because many of the participants were from out of town and some were actually from out of the country. It wouldn't be until much later in the day or late into the evening that we realized that we had left the participants and didn't follow up, that that we hadn't, but thankfully someone in the department had and got them back to their hotel safe and sound and where they had to stay until the air system opened up again and they could get back to their station. So yes, I certainly do remember where I was on September 11th because we were right in the middle of, uh, of just beginning that care class. From there, and most airlines have, and, and I think, and hopefully all airlines have, procedures and checklists for what to do when they have an accident, and, and we certainly did. We, we had had, unfortunately, a number of events that had happened in 1994, 1995, and 1999, where we were able to update our checklists and procedures based on things that we had learned from those events. We were able to deploy four aircraft that afternoon to the board points of the two flights that American was involved with, the um, off points of those flights, and then the accident location. So we, we had four aircraft that were deployed. One went to Los Angeles, one went to Boston, another went to Washington, D.C., and one went to New York City. Uh, I went to New York City. I had one the young lady that was new to our department, but was also a care team member, so she had had response experience. Uh, she went to LA, Los Angeles, and we had a team member um, that was already in Washington, D.C., and one in Boston that ran our command centers for care um, in those locations. And CARE stands for Customer Assistance Relief Effort. It's our family assistance program within the airline at American. Now, while we had four planes that went to those locations, we also had other command centers set up where there was a need, such as Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. I believe we had one in England, in London, because we had a number of international passengers. And so there were a lot of inquiries that were coming in, um, in, in into that location. Um, and I, I, if memory serves me, there were a number of others as well. And I do remember while we were wheels up typically within two to three hours of an accident, September 11th was very different in that we weren't able to do that because the air system was shut down. We had to get special uh, accommodations granted through the Federal Aviation uh, Agency and the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, for permission to have folks um, on these flights and, and to be able to fly in this, through the air system. When we left to go to New York, and I'm sure this was the same for the other flights as well, we also had FBI um, folks on our plane, uh, as well as some FAA folks, and I think there were some other law enforcement people on the aircraft. And I remember as we were flying into New York City, and of course, we, you know, we, we had a good three hours or two and a half hours, whatever the flight time was that day, to look at all of the information we had, go through our checklist, all the things we needed to do. But I remember the captain coming on board the, the PA system and saying that if you looked, as, as we approached into New York LaGuardia's airport, if you look to the left and the right, you would see F-16 fighter jets escorting us into New York City. And I remember a care team member saying, 
how much safer she felt because we had an escort into the airport. And then I remember somebody else saying, they're not there to escort us. They're there to shoot us down if we go off course. And I, I felt my anxiety level go way up at that point and thought, what am I doing on this airplane? And, and of course, that quickly, that, that thought quickly um, went away as we went back to the task of going through our procedures and things. When we got to um, what would be our command center at a, a hotel in LaGuardia, um, we papered the windows so you couldn't see in or out um, to make sure everything was secure for us. We provided multiple updates a day to our team members. We were coordinating with the Family Assistance Center at the um, um, that the city had set up. And it, it was a very different operation for us because we were used to assigning team members, two people at least, and sometimes more depending on the size of the family, to work with families and survivors if there were survivors of, a, of an accident. Um, in providing basic needs for them, whether it was transportation for family members to the accident city, hotel accommodations, um, rental car, um, transportation, whatever it was that we needed to do, we, we were going to do our best to accommodate those basic needs. And yet we weren't able to do that this time because we were, I want to say held back, but it was a different operation. It, it wasn't an accident, it was a terrorist event. And because of that, the National Transportation Safety Board was not in charge of the event. It was the FBI. And safety protocols were such that we were told that we could only visit with family members at the Family Assistance Center location or on the phone. And there would be no going to a family member's home. And that was something that we would normally do for family members who didn't want to travel to the accident site. And that actually took some of the, I'll say anxiety or nervousness away, um, and it gave us two areas to focus on. That was that we would talk to folks on the phone, or we'd meet them at the Family Assistance Center, and the Family Assistance Centers needed to have security, and, they, and ours typically did. We would have armed guards, whether it was uh, off-duty police officers or security um, officials, if you will, at the entrance to the um, Family Assistance Center, and we were only allowed to work with families in those secure locations. Uh, initially, we were told by the FBI from our operations control center, they were embedded in our, our Dallas-Fort Worth um, SOC location, who we could and who we couldn't talk to. And that, that did provide um, some challenges for us because family members were calling in and, and you know we, we were told who we could and who we couldn't speak to. And, and we were able to, to work with that until there were some complications with, yes, you can talk to somebody, and then no, we couldn't talk to them. And, and that provided some challenges for us there. One of the things that I remembered, um, or that I do remember about 9-11 was the wonderful collaboration between American and United Airlines. My counterpart at United had recently moved into the manager position as I had at American. And we started communicating very quickly or very early in, in the, the response to September 11th because we knew that we offered similar services to those that were on board and those impacted from the accident. And we didn't want to do anything more or less 
than the other carrier. So, you know, we stayed in touch and communicated on things such as command center or sorry, um, call center, telephone call center hours, how long those call centers would be open, how long the family assistance centers would be open, examining communications that were written, that they were similar, but each retained, each airline maintained their own voice and culture within the letters, if you will, or anything that was written. But everything was somewhat timed together, not exactly at the same time, but close. So it didn't look like, you know, one airline was just trying to upstage another because it's not about that. It's taking care of taking care of folks at one of the worst periods in in their life. And September 11th certainly was one of those time periods. I remember coordinating activities between all of our command centers, talking to all of our command center leaders and making sure that we were all on the same page with regards to how we were responding and that we are working very closely with the FBI and the NTSB um, because that's who we were normally um, used to working with. September 11th was a, a horrific event. Accidents are horrific events. Terrorist events was something we hadn't experienced as an organization with a care team in place. This was new for us. And with the air system shut down, it was very difficult because we couldn't fly family members into family assistance centers. We could only talk to them if they were at the FAC, the Family Assistance Center, or we could talk to them on the phone. And yet families understood why that was the case. They saw what happened on the news. They knew what happened. It was just a whole different kind of feeling with regards to the response. During that time, during that response time, the airline industry was losing millions and millions of dollars because the air system was shut down. And I I bring that up only from the perspective of the care team members who were hearing on the news that the airlines were losing money, that they were, the airlines were, and this was the industry, not just American and United, um, over time, you know, looking at where they're going to have to be layoffs and things of that nature because of this. And here are our volunteer team members, employees within the organization that are volunteering leaving their families who were scared for their their loved one to go and respond because of what happened. Nobody knew what was what else terrorists had planned within the United States. And now outside of even that fear of someone leaving was going to their um what's going to happen to their position when they came home and so employees had over their shoulders I'm away from my department and being away mean if I'm out of sight, I'm out of mind that, you know, I'm a higher potential for being laid off for that. It was just another aspect of the response that was thrown in that, that we hadn't anticipated before. When you work for an airline, and I think this is fairly universal throughout all airlines and employees that work for an airline, And it's going to sound cliche, but it really is true. We are a family. It's a very large family. There were employees of the flight attendant bases that were impacted that knew the flight attendants on board. There were other employees that knew who the gate agents were that closed the door on those aircraft um, and sent those flights on their way. 
Um, it was very personal for us. It was hard. It was hard to respond because they were our customers and our friends and our employees. As I think back 20 years after this event, um, there are a couple things that stand out for me. One is the anxiety that I feel around 9-11 may have diminished to me a percentage point or two, and that's really about it. Um, it's still a, a very hard event for me to talk about. I do. Um, I've talked to other airlines about our response, but it's it's hard for me to do it because my emotions are, are raw as many people across the world feel about 9-11 and particularly those who lost, lo lo who lost loved ones of those planes. Um, the second thing is I remember so many doors opening for us and the collaboration between the two carriers to help those impacted. I mean, even I think it was five or six weeks after 9-11 occurred and there was a, a, a site visit for family members and American and United worked closely together with the American Red Cross uh, and other agencies to bring family members in to visit the site to pay respects, their respects to their loved ones. A site visit's very important. Um, it helps with healing. It may not provide and I, I never like to use the word closure because this wound has been open for 20 years. And for most of us that responded and those who lost loved ones may feel like um, it will never close or it closes a little bit um, each day, maybe each year. But closure is, is not, um, to me, a positive word. I think healing is better. And on good days, I really do my best to remember the collaboration and the 500 plus team members from American that volunteered to respond to those that were impacted, uh, to those family members and others that were impacted from the events of 9-11. It's a seminal event in my life. I am honored to have responded. I am honored to have worked with such brave men and women from the airline, the FBI, the NTSB, the American Red Cross, and countless other agencies that responded to the events of that horrific, tragic day. My thanks to Ken for coming on to the podcast. If you'd like to hear more of Ken's stories, he has a book available on Amazon.com in Kindle and paperback titled Resilience, Stories of Courage and Survival in Aviation Disasters. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is made possible through individual donations and contributions. If you have questions or are interested in sharing your story, feel free to check out the Airline Voices podcast page on Facebook or you can email to airlinevoicespodcast at gmail.com. For those interested in helping support this podcast financially, please visit patreon.com and search for the Airline Voices Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and Airline Voices Podcast. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.